Hi again, everybody. I'm Dan Horde, and thank you for downloading the Bengals Booth Podcast, the Help, I Need Somebody edition. As we discuss the return of the Red Rifle, Andy Dalton, to the Bengals' starting lineup, heading into Sunday's game against the 4-7 New York Jets. Coming up, we'll have a very candid conversation with Andy about how he handled his benching and his hopes going forward. Then, Dave Lapham and I will discuss the quarterback switch and what the three-game sample size taught us about the future of Ryan Finley. My locker room conversation this week is with Bengals cornerback Darquez Denard, and in our Know the Foe segment, we'll talk to Rich Samini, who covers the Jets for ESPN. All of that is straight ahead, but first, here's a quick reminder that you can have the latest edition of this podcast delivered as soon as it's recorded, right to your phone, tablet, or computer by subscribing wherever you get your podcasts. It's the greatest thing since the ability to remember names. Aren't you jealous of people who have an uncanny ability to remember names? I consider that a superpower, right up there with invisibility and flying. So, if we've met before, and I don't remember your name, I apologize. Unfortunately, I do not possess that superpower. Now let's get to football. The last time the New York Jets came to Paul Brown Stadium back in 2013, Andy Dalton threw a career-high five touchdown passes. Nobody expects that this Sunday, but the Bengals hope that he plays well enough to give them a chance to win. Simply put, Ryan Finley didn't. In three starts, the rookie completed 47% of his passes and had a passer rating of 62.1. Nobody wants to be part of an 0-16 team and it was hard to envision a Bengals victory at this stage of Finley's development. So, Andy Dalton is back, and if he throws one touchdown pass on Sunday, he'll become the Bengals' all-time leader. He's currently tied with Kenny Anderson. Andy sat down with Dave Lapham and me to discuss his return to the starting lineup. Following the game on Sunday, Andy, did you wonder in the back of your head if Zach might go back to you in the starting lineup? You know, I... I, I didn't think it was going to happen. I think I've I've had so many conversations with Zach, and um, even after the decision was made, where I, I wasn't going to be be starting anymore. And um, you know, I I guess maybe in the back of my mind there's a possibility, but I didn't I didn't think it was going to happen. So you're a man of faith and a family man. How important have those two components to your life been in dealing with what you've been dealing with here? Yeah, it's been the uh, you know biggest thing for me. You know, I think um, I was saying earlier when when it first happened, I was just bitter, didn't like was wanted to not be the same person that I've been. Wanted to choose to you know uh, not help out, just sit in the meeting and get through the rest of the season and, and let it go on. But it's like that, that, that's not who I am. That's not who I'm called to be. It's um, you know, I'd be choosing to be somebody that I'm not, and so. You know that weighed on me heavy, and, sure. um, and 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 for then I was just like, just be yourself. You know, God's gonna honor whatever uh, if you handle this the right way. God's gonna honor you, and um, you know I, I felt like that's how I had to I had to be. I, you know, I I told everybody, well, right when it first happened in, in the team meeting, like I'm gonna be the same guy. I'm you know, don't don't feel awkward around me. It's gonna right. be it's gonna be okay. I, you know, I'll, I'll get through it. Um, 
but uh, you know, and, and I felt like I was that way. Even on game day, I felt like I was giving suggestions, trying to help Ryan out as much as I could, and uh, you know, trying to help this team win. Yep. We're visiting with Andy Dalton. There's an old saying: you don't appreciate someone or you don't appreciate something until it's gone, and you haven't been gone. But after you were taken out of the starting lineup, it seems to me there was an outpouring of appreciation and respect that I'm not sure that you got when you were leading the team to the playoffs five years in a row. Did you feel that? Long overdue. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I have received a lot of support. And so, um, you know, it's it's kind of a weird spot to be in, you know, when you're, uh, you know, felt like, you know, I it, I didn't deserve to, to, to not be playing, but. You know, I guess I, I understood a little bit what Zach was trying to do, but, I mean, I didn't agree with it and all that kind of stuff. And then, um, yeah, a lot of people have supported me through it. And, um, yeah, I, I think that's it, – it's, it's been cool to see. You know, there's people that gave to our foundation and, and, and different things like that. And, um, I mean, we'll always take that. I mean, we'll be able to help so many uh, kids and families with, with, with that kind of stuff. But it's always nice when you have the support of the city around you. Let's get to uh, the football game itself. Your strengths, or one, strength, one of your strengths, in my opinion, is diagnosis, confident in your diagnosis, get it out. And Greg Williams is the master of disguise. He's got every pressure package in the book. He's got players to utilize to fit his schematic. Um, do you feel like you have a good plan? Do you feel like you're really ready to just tear this thing up on, on Sunday? Yeah, that's the goal. You know, I, I feel like you know, I've, I've I've watched a lot of tape, a lot of film, and I mean they are a very disguised defense. And um, you know, guys start in one spot, run out to to different areas, and so you got to be ready for it. And yeah, you know, I, I feel like I've, I've played enough football where you know I, I understand how teams are trying to play and, and, and what they're trying to do and and there'll be some new stuff on, on Sunday I'm sure that, that, that we'll get but you know I feel I feel comfortable with what we got going the team really struggled to run the ball the first eight weeks and over the last several weeks they've tweaked the scheme a bit things are going much better averaging far above 100 rushing yards a game over the last uh, three games how much do you think that can help you lead this team to a victory yeah, obviously we knew the the run game struggled early on, and and, and while I was playing it, it 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 got tough at times because we had to be one dimensional. And so, you know, hopefully we can get this thing going and uh, you know keep keep the momentum that we have running the ball. Because I mean, anytime you can run the ball, I mean, it, it sets up your whole offense. There's three phases to every football game. Special teams coming into our last week's game, number one in the NFL. I mean, they've really done a good job defensively. On, not, on top of the running game offensively for complimentary football within that phase of the game. Defensively, 17, 16 points. That's that's winning football, you know, on that side of the ball. So the running game's improved. The defense has improved. I mean, that's going to give you a lot of uh, a lot of confidence going into this football game. I think if you look at the best teams out there, their defense is playing really well, and they can run the ball. And so, um, you know, if, you, if you're playing well in those phases of the game, I think it uh, – you know, allows you a chance to 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 win each week, and so you know that, that's our goal this week. Hopefully, we 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 play the kind of way we've been playing on defense, and the same with special teams, and, and get the run game going. Real quick, I know um, your your situation, the, the conversation that you had with Zach. So, and I know you know you weren't real happy. There was even talk about just go ahead and trade me. So, in your mind right now, you're not just playing for the Cincinnati Bengals evaluation, you're playing for 31 of the teams to take a look at what Andy Dalton's all about after having been sat down, come back. What's he got? I mean, what kind of, what kind of uh, 
intestinal fortitude. What's this guy all about all the way around? Is that pretty accurate? Yeah, I mean, I, I understand the situation that we're in and, and, and everything. And so, you know, I'm I'm trying to put the best stuff out there that I can. Um, you know, if if that's for here, then great. If that's for somewhere else, I mean, that's it's all to be determined going forward. But, you know, my whole goal is to win and uh, win right now and, and win some of these last games. And, um, you know, I think that's the most important thing right now. How, fr- how frustrating was it? Because players were coming up to me and saying, Lap, 14's in, we win these last two games. How frustrating was it to you to be on the sideline thinking, if I was in the football game, man, I mean, can you let that kind of enter your thoughts or do you have to kind of keep them out? No, I, I think for any competitor, you want to – you feel like your skill set should be able to help the team. And, um, you know, for, for me – regardless of the situation, I, I, I'm going to be confident in myself and know that, okay, there's some little things that I, I feel like I can do that, that, that can help us win. And I, and you only get that through experience. Right. So for Ryan, Ryan was getting great experience in those those three weeks. And this stuff that he's going to take with for the rest of his football career. And he's going to understand, like, he went against some really good defenses. I mean, you go against the, the – Ravens, the Steelers, and uh, you know some of the the blitz stuff that mm-hmm. that, that, that Polly G can do in Oakland. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I mean, he's gonna just the, the best ex, um, the best thing for you is experience and playing in the game. So you know when you've played for nine years and you understand and you've seen so much, I, I felt like there's little things that that I can do to definitely help this team and and help this team win. We've kept you for one more minute than promised. This is my last question. Lap, you're not allowed to have any more. Oh, I got one more good one. I got one more good one, I think. You're tied with Kenny Anderson, all-time touchdown passes. I know you don't play for numbers. You're trying to win championships. But it it felt to me like your Cincinnati story couldn't end the way it did. You know, having your starting spot taken, being tied in the record book. There's, There's a chance here for a happy ending. Yeah, you know, it was one of those things. It's like, well, am I going to get in that last game? Let's get one more touchdown pass just so I have bragging rights over Kenny. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, who, who knows what's going to happen? I, I think that's one thing that uh, through these last several weeks is I, I truly have had to trust in God's plan for, for my life, for my career, my, my family, and all the stuff that goes into it. And so, um, you know, hopefully we can score a lot of touchdowns and uh, – and hopefully that record gets broken here, here this week. I have one more quick quick comment. <laughs> of about, course you do. Yeah, I'm done. Mentor, I promise. No, in your mentoring, and you're a hell of a mentor. I can't think of a better mentor for a young quarterback. But you're mentoring Ryan Finley, and he went through some, some knocks, really. I mean, he, he, hard lessons. Ultimately, you know, if for him to come out now and you do your thing, I know he's probably not happy. No, no competitor is happy when it's taken away. But in the end, when he cools down in hindsight – it might be the best thing that ever happened to him because if he goes out there and gets torn apart by Greg Williams and the Jets, I mean, at some point in time, man, there's that fine line where, where you're breaking a young guy's confidence to the point where he'll never recover. I mean, is there something to that when you're mentoring a young guy like that? It's got to be part of it. But as a as a quarterback and, and the way you have to play the game, you have to forget about what's already happened to you. You, you can't focus on that. And so, um, you know – yeah, is there a, could there be a confidence issue with that? It, there could be. I don't think Ryan's built that way. I don't think he's he's uh-huh. gonna ever ever lack confidence in himself. That's just kind of the person he he is. And so, um, but you know, I, it's one of those things where Zach obviously felt like uh, the, I, I could help us out, and um, I, I'm I'm glad he did. 
Now time for my weekly podcast visit with Lap as we cover the quarterback switch, the return of Cordy Glenn, and preview Sunday's matchup against the Jets. Lap, Ryan Finley is out. Andy Dalton is back in. Why did Zach Taylor go back to the Red Rifle? Well, as you so aptly found out in your research that Andy Dalton was getting the ball out of his hand in 2.28 seconds, second best in the NFL when he was playing, and Ryan Finley, 2.83, second worst in the NFL when he was playing. So going against the Greg Williams defense that's going to be showing you everything under the sun in terms of pressure packages, um, I think you know the experience that Andy Dalton has with those kind of defenses that he's played against over the years in the division and outside of the division, I think uh, he just felt like got to win a football game, and he gives us the best option. The week before, he decided to play Cordy Glenn at left tackle to stabilize that position, and the reason was players that he talked to, coach, you know, we know it's a tough pill maybe for some people to swallow, but we got, we got to win a football game. So um, make the decision to go back to Andy Dalton. He gives them their best chance to win a game against teams, you know, that have a coordinator like, like Greg Williams, uh, a Bill Belichick coach defense with the Patriots, and I mean, they're going to change looks on a snap by or on a series by series basis. So experience counts in some of these games down the stretch. Lap three games is a small sample size, but based on what we saw of Ryan Finley, what do you think his ceiling is? I think that's hard to say, hard to call right now um, because, you know, not having the best receiving core available to him, I think that's tough. I think it's t- it was tough for Andy not to have the two best receivers that the Bengals have. Um, as options out there, so think how much more difficult it must be for you know a rookie quarterback. And you know sometimes I couldn't tell if he didn't see the field or if he didn't like what he saw <laughs> when he was seeing the field in terms of guys winning. You know, um, making the adjustment from the college level to the NFL level is uh, the windows close so much faster. And when you're out there in an NFL regular season game, not a preseason game where there are backups, that's more like probably what he saw in college. Now you see an NFL regular season action, and, man, those windows are closing. So you're, you're thinking, should I cut it loose? Should I do it? Man, is that enough? Because you're evaluating your arm strength with the window, and he's smart enough maybe to think, should I or shouldn't I? And you can't be in a should, not, should I or shouldn't I position in the National Football League. That's, that's a losing proposition. And his numbers showed that, you know, 47%. And, didn't didn't get done when he needed to get done. So I, I think I think his grade at this point is incomplete, um, but it's it's not uh, it, it, it's not a passing grade at this point in time. It's incomplete. What about arm strength? Pro Football Focus had the stat where on passes thrown more than ten yards down the field and outside the hash marks, he was three for eighteen. Seemed like some of those passes were floating, dangerously close to being intercepted. Uh, would, would that be a huge concern in your opinion? I think that's the that's the biggest thing that uh, that you have to be concerned about looking at it. Um, even the touchdown pass to Tyler Boyd waffled, you know, down the football field. It wasn't it wasn't a tight. Uh, you, you, you never saw a frozen rope. You never saw it on, on a string or a clothesline where <clears throat> I mean it was in there. And um, it, it, you know, I, I, honestly, I'm looking at Andy Dalton's arm strength and Ryan Finley's arm strength, there's no doubt in my mind that Andy Dalton has a has more arm talent in terms of strength, arm strength, you know. And uh, so I, I think there have been guys, though, um, over the years. And, I, you know, I, you can go back in the wayback machine, and there are plenty of quarterbacks that have had successful careers in the National Football League that don't have a howitzer hanging off of their right shoulder. But they do throw, you know, with anticipation and accuracy. And that was the thing on him coming in. 
anticipation, accuracy, pocket presence, slide step, climb the pocket. When it got the heat of the battle, a lot of that stuff was, was, not, uh, was not there for him. Again, small sample size, three games, but you know, arm strength, uh, you know, it, it, throwing, the, throwing the football through a wall is not the only requirement to playing quarterback in the National Football League, but if you have all the other things, <laughs> that's, the, that's the tiebreaker, man. That's the difference maker right there. The conspiracy theorists are out. Yes. I've seen a lot of people suggest that Mike Brown was pulling the strings when Zach Taylor went back to Andy Dalton. Buy it? No, I don't. I, Mike Brown, I'm sure, was in full support of it. But Mike Brown realized that Andy Dalton, when they were 0-8, that he was getting beaten up and that, that Zach wanted to evaluate Ryan Finley and he didn't, you know, disallow it. I mean, he said, okay, if that's what you want to do, I'm – I'm okay. I'm I'm with you, and when Zach, in my mind, uh, when they met, said, you know, I think we need to go back to Andy Dalton because we want to win football games here. I mean, it's like you don't want to uh, you don't want to make a statement. Cordy Glenn at left tackle, distasteful. I mean, that's like that's like swallowing the bitterest pill there ever is to go back to Cordy Glenn with all that went down. I mean, a lot of water over that dam. Um, so. If you do that, and when you pulled players, it's like, Coach, you know, we understand there are issues, but we got to win a game. If he's our best left tackle, let's play him. So I'm sure that – I know I was hearing it from players. Hey, we would have won that game with 14 in there. We would have won both these games with 14 in there. So I know, I know Zach had to be hearing it if I'm hearing it. So to me, you can't send a mixed message. You can't say – what coaches look for in players is consistency in their performance, in their effort. They don't want it peaks and valleys, ups and downs. Players look for consistency from coaches, too. So if you make a move to solidify your left tackle position, quarterback's a hell of a lot more important than that. Make the move back to solidify the quarterback position. I think Zach realized he had to do that or he was in danger of, uh, of losing, losing the team because, on, Dan, nobody wants to be on an 0-16 team. That stays with you forever. How about a first-year head coach? Wow. You think he wants that oh, to be man. the thing that people will remember him for? Everybody remembers the Cleveland Browns went 0-16, but they went 1-31. They were 1-50. Nobody thinks about the 1-31. It's just, man, 0-16, that's the scarlet letter. You know, and the, and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the Detroit Lions, the Cleveland Browns, and that stays with you. You're always a member of that football team. Geno Atkins on – uh, Pro Football Hall of Fame possibility. Don't want that mark of 0-16 on your resume. You know, and nobody nobody wants that that type of thing. So I'm telling you, with five games left, the pressure is going to start to mount. These guys want to and feel like they have to get a win. They do not want to join the the Scarlet Letter Club. <laughs> Getting back to what you were saying about what players look for out of coaches, they want to see that consistency. How about the fact that, uh, to me, the number one thing that a player wants from the coach is to put you in the best possible position to, to win, win no right? No doubt. Absolutely no doubt. I mean, you know, people that are, that are like, you know, all right, just, just lose all the rest of your games and get the first pick of the draft. It's not fantasy football. Yeah, and it's, it, if, you're, if that's your DNA, you're not going to last in the NFL. You shouldn't even be in the NFL. That, that can't be your DNA. So it's easy for the fans to say, because you're right, it's not fantasy football, but you know, you're, you're getting evaluated on game tape every week, not just by the Bengals, by all 31 teams. Because if you're 
situation ends in Cincinnati, who's going to be looking at you? All 31 other teams. Did this guy tank when they were losing games and they're 0 11? How did he play? Oh, man, he's playing his tail off. Let's take a look. This guy, he put it in neutral. He's, I, I, I see seven loafs out of, the, out of the 40 plays. Don't want that guy. So you're talking about your career. You're talking about your livelihood. You're talking about feeding your family, all those things. They're not in a mindset. Players and coaches are not in a mindset to say, let's lose them all and get the number one pick in the draft. Ludicrous. You're also playing a sport that puts your short-term and long-term health in jeopardy. Let's face it. And people expect them to go out there and intentionally lose? Seriously? Right, right. I mean, <laughs> honestly, uh, the people that, are, that think that never strapped on the equipment and went out there in a, in a competitive environment. I mean, you have, to, you have to play at a high level to survive the physicality of it. I mean, literally, in some, in some instances, it's like you went through multiple car wrecks you know, in, during a three-hour time frame, you got that kind of collision. You get that kind of hit. Your, I can remember hits where organs moved. You know, internal organs. It was like, man, that was a shot. You know, it's like, let me see if I can get all this stuff right now. I mean, that that those things are, those are crazy. I mean, some of the injuries that guys sustain, doctors say that's that kind of thing happens in a car wreck. You know, that that type of violent collision that type of violent deal and it can happen out on a football field so when you're when you're susceptible to injury 100 percent of every snap to 100 percent of every player you're going to tank and try to lose football games <laughs> you ain't going to last long let's get back to cordy glenn for a second is it possible to let bygones be bygones at this point you know the, the biggest the biggest problem that i see is the most important word in any relationship is trust and I think I get I think Cordy feels like trust was violated in his mind and the Bengals feel that trust was violated in their mind and and I I don't think by just a little bit I think it's a major breach of trust so you know is it is it a white lie you know kind of thing can you recover from a white lie yeah you can recover from a white lie but man, did you did you put together this big plot? You know that it was more than a white lie. Can you recover from that? So that that's to be determined. But bottom line is, seeing a lot of things in the National Football League that you wonder, how can they live with each other? Answer: The dude can play. If you can play, <laughs> you can live with a lot of things. And if Cordy Glenn shows he can play, and you saw what it was like. You know, when they didn't have somebody out there to stabilize it, the left tackle position. The biggest thing is, what will Jonah Williams be like? That's the key, because they were going to move Cordy Glenn into guard. If Jonah Williams is fine and he can play the left tackle position, all of a sudden that trust is a little bit more of an issue. But if you have a guy that can play, it's not. It's then then it's a different kind of trust issue. Let's look at the defense. They've given up 17 and 16 points over their last two games, the only two this year where they've allowed fewer than 20. Are they figuring things out under Lou Anarumo, or was that simply a matter of playing a couple of mediocre offenses in the Raiders and Steelers? I think it is a combination. You know, I, I think you know, the talent level um, of those offenses wasn't, let's face it, Lamar Jackson's killing everybody, and the Bengals played him twice. And 
still haven't figured him out. I mean, he's <laughs> he has taken people apart. Look what he did to the Rams. I mean, embarrassed him, embarrassed him. He's going to put up numbers that are, that I mean are going to be freakish. Like John Harbaugh said to him on the sideline after during the course of one of the games, you're going to change the quarterback position. I mean, kids are going to be looking at this stuff for 20 years and thinking, what the heck? I mean, you're you're changing. You're changing everybody's definition of, of an NFL quarterback. I mean, it, it's remarkable. So I, I think when you play a guy like that, there's not only that game, but there's collateral damage. <laughs> You're trying to recover, you know, from it. And I, I think it. I think it does set you back. And they did. They did play him, you know, twice in a in a pretty short time frame. But I do think, you know, the Pittsburgh Steelers were hampered, obviously, with what they had out there. Um, skilled people weren't the same. Uh, Oakland Raiders, you know, they, they weren't. They had a really good running back. Their quarterback had been playing well, but heck, he got benched. I mean, Gruden didn't waste any time. He benched Carr you know, when they get spanked by the Jets in the third quarter. So, um, I think it is a combination, um, but it's going to be interesting. I mean, you, you got a you got a young quarterback that's on a little bit of a roll. His team scored over, his team scored 34 points three weeks in a row, and they're feeling confident. How will they handle the Jets? How will they handle Baker Mayfield and the Cleveland Browns up there? They're starting to get it figured out. They've got, a, they've got immense skill position talent. Um, will the Bengals, I think the key is, will the Bengals defensive line play the rest of the season like they played the last couple of games? Because like Lou Anarumo said to us earlier in the week, it starts, if, if the defensive line's disruptive, and people are having trouble blocking them, everything else falls into place. So if the defensive line stays motivated and makes as many plays as they've made in the last eight quarters down the stretch of the season, I think that defense could play pretty solidly. The Bengals host the Jets on Sunday, and if you look at their entire season stats, the Jets' offense stinks. They're next to last in yards, 30th in rushing, 31st in passing. They're averaging 18 points a game. But over the last three weeks, They've scored 34 points in each of their last three games. What has gotten into the New York Jets? I think a little bit has to do with who they played. New York Giants, Washington Redskins, and the Raiders. I mean, we, we saw the Raiders are vulnerable. They just couldn't take advantage. I think if Andy Dalton had been quarterbacking against the Raiders, would have put up some points. I'm not saying 34 necessarily, but would have put up some points. Um, and, you know, I, I think the 33 nothing shellacking by the Patriots – when you know you have a young quarterback, Sam Donald come out and say, "I was seeing ghosts." You know he's being honest, and and I think after that they lose to Jacksonville by 14. They lose to the Dolphins by eight points, and I think at that at that point in time it was like that's enough, you know. So obviously they're they're feeling better about uh, the way they're operating, and you know they've 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 got some players. We know about Le'Veon Bell and and uh, Anderson. This guy averaging over 15 yards a catch has a 92 yard touchdown catch amongst his three touchdown receptions they've got some players uh real good slot receiver and crowder so uh bengal's defense has been playing better let's see if it if that holds up against this jets offense that's kind of finding their form a little bit as the bengal's defense is finding their form who's going to hold their form the bengal's host the jets this sunday the jets have 26 sacks number 19 in the nfl so that's not great but 15 different players have at least a half of sack led by their safety, Jamal Adams, who has six and a half. What does that say about defensive coordinator Greg Williams? It says that he's going to bring everybody from everywhere, you know, um, the kitchen sink, the kitchen, the whole house. Everything's coming. <laughs> so uh, 
Adams, though, that's the interesting one. If I'm an offensive line coach, I'm saying when Adams, when number 33 is in the box, treat him like a linebacker. I, I, I designate him in my rules, protecting from inside out, depending on where he is, that if he's, if he's in the, in between the tackles, he's a linebacker to me. If he's on the outside, I'm going to count guys more dangerous, you know, closer to the quarterback. But, but he, I have to find 33. I have to find 33 and communicate him uh, up and down the line of scrimmage like, like he is a linebacker in our protection. So six and a half sacks, the most of any defensive back in the NFL, and he's in the, in the top 30 in the NFL overall. I mean, he's got more sacks than the Bengals sack leader. He's got more sacks than a lot of sack leaders on individual teams around the National Football League. So, you know, it, it's interesting. They just played a safety that was a deep center fielder, you know, and all he was doing was, you know, coming downhill and make plays. This guy is going to be right around the line of scrimmage a lot of times in the box more so. And they may be the two Pro Bowl safeties, and the Bengals are going to have them in back-to-back weeks. A little, little bit different style of play. I'm talking about Fitzpatrick, Minka Fitzpatrick, and, and this uh, this young man who is, is getting it done for the Jets. There's no, there's no question about it. He's a big-time player. And their coordinator, Greg Williams, talk about aggressive. I mean, <clears throat> the first blitz will be as they get off the bus coming to the locker room. <laughs> it's going to be a blitzkrieg to the stadium. Final crucial question. What's your favorite part about the Thanksgiving feast? Ooh. Man, I'm a I'm a dark meat guy. Huh. I, I do I do like I do like the dark meat. Um, I really enjoy turkey skin, which is the worst thing you can possibly eat. So good. It is the best. As well, long I'm, as it's cooked properly. Yeah, it has yeah. to be crispy. Yeah. You know, it can't be soggy. <laughs> Nothing worse than soggy, greasy turk you know, turkey skin. But nice crisp turkey skin, man of And I always I always get the hairy eyeball when I, you know, partake. Sorry, Lynn. Yeah, sorry, Lynn. I had to do it. But, I mean, (laughs) that dog will hunt right there. Give me some stuffing covered with really good gravy. Stuffing. um, The stuffing that we have, because I'm a carnivore, so it's got sausage and beef in it. Ah, yum. Are you kidding me, dude? I could make a meal just on the turkey stuffing. I mean, that. yeah. I've got my... Real loose sweatpants that I throw on for Thanksgiving, <laughs> and I roll, baby. I roll. I can't keep them up before I eat, but they're tight when I'm done. <laughs> Something for the Lapham family to look forward to. Hopefully, you enjoyed your Thanksgiving feast with the family as much as Lap did. Now time for this week's locker room conversation as I visit with a Bengals veteran whose return to the lineup has provided a boost to the Bengals' defense. We're in the locker room with Darquez Denard. Over the last couple of games, you've held opponents to 17 points and 16 points, and I don't think it's a coincidence that you have been back in there for more than 90% of the defensive snaps. How do you think you've helped? I just think uh, communicating and, you know, adding a little edge and, you know, helping out with coverages and, you know, communicating and doing uh, my job. Give me the feeling on the defense right now. Is confidence growing based on how you've played the last few weeks? Uh, definitely. I think uh, it, it has shows. Uh, it showed on Sundays as well. I think we're we having a great week of practices and making turnovers and uh, forcing turnovers in practice and then showing up in games. And, you know, and that's allowing us to obviously play well and hold opponents and, uh, you know, to have under 17 points or less. We're visiting with Darquez Denard. Can you take a lot of satisfaction from a great defensive performance, even if the team loses? For me personally, no, not really. 
because I feel like it's always something you can do a little bit more. Uh, you know, to play here and there. It's, you know, you always had those those games and that you feel like you could have done more uh, if you did this, if you did that. Uh, so for me personally, I feel like uh, you can play the best game in your life, but you you know, if you lose, uh, it really don't matter. Darquez, one of the things that's always stood out about you since you've been here is your ability to tackle in the run game. Is that skill or will? I think it's a little bit of both, uh, but majority is, is, is will. It's just kind of just want to. Uh, I think that's, you know, something that's, you know, was coached to me and, and at Michigan State and just, you know, followed me. You are a couple of lockers away from Sean Williams, and you guys have been teammates your entire time here in Cincinnati. He has gutted it out this year, despite a bunch of injuries. Can you describe your respect for him? You know, me and Sean, uh, pretty much like brothers. Uh, so uh, I know what he deals deals with, uh, has been dealing with uh, this year. And, you know, he's a he one tough guy. Uh, he plays with a lot of injuries, don't complain a lot. Just, you know, basically put a Band-Aid over whatever is, <laughs> was hurt, if it's broken, if it's whatever it is. Uh, put a Band-Aid over it and, you know, tape it over tape it up and you know he back to work those type kind of guy he is he loved the game of football and it obviously shows on, on Sundays when you go out there and play. Darquez in your first two years here the Bengals were really good including that 2015 season where you opened 8-0 and finished 12-4 how difficult is it for you to be going through what the team is going through right now? It's difficult uh, you know it's crazy because I you know I kind of laugh and not really loud, but kind of just play with the uh, the younger guys, kind of like uh, Tinu and, you know, Adam and Leon and, you know, Reggie uh, did with me as when I was a young guy. He, you know, they basically, I was telling the young guy uh, earlier today, uh, those guys like, hey, man, I ain't always like this. Uh, not going to always win, it, you know, I was going to always win games. Uh, you just got to cherish these moments and you got to really embrace them. And when you have the opportunity to, you know, make a run for a championship when you have a good team. You got to do whatever it takes to, to you know, basically do your job and get it done. And I think uh, that kind of plays back in my head, especially the last couple of years, uh, and about what those guys said to me. And I, it's really hit home uh, now. So uh, it's just crazy. It's definitely difficult. I felt like we had a good team. Uh, obviously, you know, injuries of course happens and that's the unfortunate part about this game and it kind of switched a whole season up so uh you know you know it's definitely difficult it's definitely difficult when you talk to the younger guys do you give them the opposite message it's not always going to be like this we can be good again in a short period of time uh definitely i just tell them i mean just tell them like man we were a few plays away uh ball here ball there uh just how it rolls or you know a game changes just like this whole season. We've been in games. It's not like we've been, you know, been losing by 50 points every game. Uh, we've been in a lot of games, like a lot of games, and you know, we kind of just come down to the last wire, and you know, the ball just don't roll our way. And it's just how football is. It's kind of like the game of life. So uh, you have your ups and downs, but you know, uh, you have more ups if you keep working on it, keep grinding, just staying patient and just trusting couple of questions about this week's opponent, the New York Jets. Sam Darnold has been on a roll of late. His last three games, he's been terrific. What stands out when you look at him on tape? You know, he's a bigger quarterback uh, and he's mobile, uh, stays, 
trying to move the pocket and and, and extending plays. Uh, he he got a lot of great weapons around him. Uh, you know, you got Le'Veon, you got <coughs> Robbie, uh, you know, got Jameson, you got uh, Demarius. You know, you got a lot of guys that's around him, helping him. Uh, so uh, they're doing a really good job right now, and we just got to come out and you know compete with them. I noticed in their game last week, Le'Veon Bell was lining up a lot as a wide receiver and going downfield. I mean, it wasn't the type of passes he used to catch with the Steelers where he'd go three yards and turn around and then look for yards after catch. They're having him run down the field, right? That's kind of not a surprise to me. You know, me and Le'Veon was at Michigan State together, so I know what type of player he, can, he is. Uh, I was able to uh, watch up close personal uh, since we, you know, we was in the same recruiting class. So, uh you know, I got to watch him every day, so I know what type of player he is and what, what he's capable of. So it's not a surprise to me at the things that he's doing now. Uh, but uh, he's definitely, a, uh, you know, a capable receiver as well as a running back. So he's definitely a target when, you know, he's out there. Appreciate your time, as always. Happy Thanksgiving. Best of luck. Happy Thanksgiving to you as well. Thank you. Last but not least, it's time for this week's Know the Foe conversation as we take an in-depth look at the Jets with longtime beat writer Rich Samini. He joined Lap and Me this week on the Bengals Game Plan Show, and I started the interview by asking Rich the following question. If Sam Darnold had not missed several games due to mono, would the Jets be in playoff contention? That's a great question, Dan. Uh, really hard to say. I, you know, I I would say, you know, they played, I'd say no, because they played three really difficult opponents during that stretch that he was out. And uh, they played Philly, New England, and um, I'm missing one game. Uh, Then they lost. So I don't even think they would have beat them with Sam. It was a new offense. They were going through some growing pains anyway. And without him, they were just hopeless. I mean, they couldn't get the ball in the red zone, let alone score. I've never, in all my years of covering the Jets, and I've seen some really bad offenses, that was as bad as I've seen early in the year with Luke Falk at quarterback. So the answer is no, And uh, but now they're playing better, and they're, you know, kind of make it interesting, interesting a little bit. Let me ask you about uh, the defensive side of the football. My goodness, uh, top ten in a lot of categories, top five in many significant categories, including stopping the run, number one in yards, uh, 78.1 per game and three yards per carry. And Greg Williams, the master disguiser, I watched a Dolphins tape. And, and he was playing cover one. The Dolphins torched it. So he went back to Tampa two and, and he said, all right, I'm going to make an I'm going to make Jamal Adams is going to be a rush guy for him. He's got six and a half sacks the last four games, five tackle for loss. I mean, and he's still playing cover two behind it. I, I guess if he plays cover one against the Bengals, it'll be a true look uh, testament to how people feel about the Bengals' wideouts because he probably feels like they can't beat him. But, I mean, this guy has been doing some unbelievable stuff schematically and utilizing his players to their fullest. He's unreal. Yeah, yeah, he really has done a great job. And, uh, you know, they've had so many injuries. And last week against the Raiders, of, of the top 16 guys on defense – based on the number of snaps in the game, seven of the guys came into the league as undrafted free agents. So he's been doing it with, uh, you know, replacement level talent. And you're exactly right about the way they've dialed back the pressure. They've become more of a cover two team in recent weeks. Uh, And a lot of that is to protect their corners. They're playing basically with two third string corners and Arthur Millette and rookie Bless Austin. Right. And uh, so instead of putting those guys out on islands, they've been playing more two-safety looks. But like you said, they've been using Jamal as a blitzer. 
that's not a weekly thing, but I think it depends on the opponent. It's more of a game plan specific thing, but he's been racking up sacks. And so they've really found an identity on defense. Rich Samini from ESPN New York is our guest. What was the reaction in New York or, or in the Jets locker room when they learned that Andy Dalton was coming back to be the Bengals quarterback instead of uh, a struggling Ryan Finley? Yeah, I don't. Uh, I think they kind of expected it. I, I think, you know, from the reaction I got is, you know, they, they saw Finley's struggles with turnovers. And the Bengals have actually played pretty good defense the last couple of weeks. They've been in, in these games. And I think the Jets, at least in terms of the coaching staff, they had a pretty good idea that it was going to be back to Dalton just because they've been in some of these games. And if they could just minimize the turnovers, they could win some of these games. And also you're looking at a coach who doesn't want to go 0-16 and wants to win some, some games here at the end of the year and uh, obviously feels that Dalton gives him the best chance. Um, it seemed to me that Adam Gase was not really trying to hide the fact that he thought overpaid for Le'Veon Bell. Did they? Yes, they did. I mean, uh, you know, $13.5 million per year for a running back is right. a lot. Yep. And Adam Gase has never said that publicly, by the way, just for the record. Uh, you know, I reported and other people reported at the time of free agency that Gase was not keen on the idea right. of spending that much for a running back. And he has nothing against Bell. I think he really respects Bell as, as a player. He just sure. felt that philosophically that was just too much for one guy. And I think we've seen that those feelings come to bear because – he has not had a good year. I mean, it's not all on Le'Veon. Their offensive line has been a mess for the most part. So mm-hmm. he has not rushed for more than 70 yards in a game this year. And uh, and frankly, to me, he looks like a half a step slower than what you guys – you guys have seen him a lot more than I have from the division. Uh, he looks a little bit slow to me. And maybe it's the year off. You know, maybe it's the offensive line. But he just has not been the same Le'Veon. Mm-hmm. We are visiting uh, with Rich Samini, longtime reporter covering the New York Jets. I mentioned this streak at the beginning of our conversation, Rich, how the Jets have scored exactly 34 in three straight games. How much is that Giants, Redskins, Raiders as the opponents, and how much is that this is an offense that's finding its stride? Yeah, mostly the schedule, I think, Dan. <laughs> it's, uh, I mean, they, they just hit it at the right time. I mean, it's amazing how these things work out. So the owner... They get embarrassed by Miami down in Miami. One in, they dropped a one and seven. It was as ugly a loss as I've ever covered. And so they are, there's a lot of rumors about Gase's job security. Could he get fired in the middle of the season? The owner comes in a private meeting with the uh, the players. The owner that week says, you know, I'm sticking with Adam. He's my guy. And it's like the old thing in baseball. You know, if you have a team meeting, make sure you do it on the, the day your ace is pitching. So the Jets knew that they were playing the Giants. Then they were playing the Redskins, two really poor defensive teams. So they got their offense rolling a little bit. They built some confidence. And they went against the Raiders, you know, who I consider more of a middle-of-the-road team. And they really took it out on the Raiders. So now they got their mojo. Um, Sam Darnold's is hot as any quarterback in the league, not named Lamar Jackson. Right. And uh, so they're really feeling good about themselves offensively. Prior to the three-game win streak, the highest score, the most points they scored against Dallas. And to me, that was one of the biggest outliers of the season, the 24-22 victory over the Dallas Cowboys on October uh, 13th. What what led to that? What was the circumstance in that football game in your estimation? Yeah. 
That's a, I, I'm still trying to figure that one. Out. <laughs> right, the Jets right. went in there 0 and 4, and you know it was Sam Darnold's first game back from mono, and we're all looking at him like you know if he gets hit in the spleen, is he going right. to die on the field? You know, there's you know there's a lot of people reporting that he's back too soon. And so he goes out and he played out of his mind in that game. He played a really good game, and, yeah. and, they, and they beat him. But now let me say this. Dallas played without their two starting offensive tackles, and we know those are very good players. Mm-hmm. And they played – Amari Cooper went out in the first series of the game, and I truly think that if Cooper were in there for the whole game, the Jets would have lost. But he wasn't, and they won the game. And so then you thought, okay, they're going to start to go on a little bit of a roll here. But then they just went into, like, a, a tailspin. And, and Sam Darnold went into a really bad tailspin. And uh, and then the season got away from them. So the the I'm seeing ghosts <laughs> controversy. Yeah, that, was, that was it. That yeah. was yep. right after that Dallas game, you know, the New England game. Yep. So, you know, that's a, that's a big deal. ESPN uh, talk show hosts and Fox talk show hosts go crazy over that. And I know the team wasn't happy that that audio was used. To me, it was like stating the obvious. That's what a young quarterback experiences against a Bill Belichick-type defense or a really good NFL defensive team. Was it a, was it a big like source of embarrassment for Sam Darnold, or was it everybody else? Yeah, Darnold handled it really well. Uh, he didn't duck the questions. He just admitted uh, on numerous occasions. He goes, I always try to be honest with my coaches when I get to the sideline, and that's what I was feeling at that moment. And he had just a horrific game. He had four interceptions in that game, and he truly was being ghosts. I mean, he, he didn't know what was coming at him. And unfortunately, you know, usually that's the NFL films is responsible for that stuff at the game. And usually they edit out all the good stuff. And the stuff that we get on TV is the very bland sound bites from the bench. And in this case, they let it go through and, um, you know, which was great for TV viewers around the country, but bad for the Jets. And you're right, Dan, you know, the Jets were pissed with uh, when that got out and my network aired it you know, after it received clearance from NFL Films. And uh, it was embarrassing for Sam because he went into Jacksonville the very next week. And at the end of the game, he had another bad game, three interceptions. And on the PA in the stadium, they're playing the, the Ghostbusters team <laughs> and showing a montage of all his interceptions on the uh, scoreboard, which I, I really thought was Bush League. Yeah, by that's the a job. shot. That's and a cheap shot. The game was still going on yeah. in about two minutes left, and they're playing the Ghostbusters theme. And so <laughs> it's something that Sam has – and one other stadium played it too. I can't remember offhand, but he – you know, it's something he's had to live with, He, but he's playing really well for the last three games, so I think he's come out of that uh, that funk. Well, I know Ryan Finley saw a bunch of ghosts. And, you know, it's it's all he's saying is pre-snap I'm seeing one thing, post-snap another. You know, exactly. I mean, just, yeah. that's, he's like just being honest. obvious. Exactly. Yeah, he's it's being he's being honest. honest. Yeah, the fans, when they hear that, and of right. course, the fact that it was Belichick, too, you know. Sure, sure. You know, I'm sure he enjoyed a nice little smirk with the, when he heard that. But yeah, no no doubt, no doubt. Yeah. They get, he got validation. You know, Van Noy basically said, oh, man, that's, that's validation to what we're doing. You know, I mean, it's. Uh, my my final question, and thanks for carving time for us. You're great, and appreciate your patience. Yeah. Frank Pollock, uh, he had a tremendous amount of, amount of respect in this locker room by his offensive line and other position groups. He really um, made an impression on the Cincinnati Bengals locker room overall. What's it been like for Frank in New Jersey? Uh, excuse me, in New York with the Jets. 
Yeah, that's a man. That's a weird. You know, I, I thought he didn't do. A, I thought he did a poor job at the beginning of the year. I mean, their offensive line was just, uh, which was really bad. I mean, Sam and and the other quarterbacks were getting hit on a regular basis, uh-huh. and uh, they've started six different offensive line combos. So you know, injuries have played a factor. But um, even when they had their regulars in there, they were just missing assignments, turning guys loose. They were sliding in the wrong direction. Uh, it was just a really poorly coached unit at the wow. start of the year, and they have calmed it down a little bit. You know, uh, you know, and I think Pollock has done a good job of of figuring out what's going on. But you know what? I think a, a big part of it was, you know, they signed Ryan Khalil uh, out of retirement right before training camp, or right, actually right as training camp was starting. And, of course, he was a five-time Pro Bowler with the Panthers, and the Jets sure. thought they were getting a, a coup. Yeah, and he just was not in shape, and he came in, and I think he just disrupted all the chemistry, and they really struggled with him. And when they replaced him because he went on IR, the last three weeks with Jonathan Harrison, it's been a much smoother operation. So partly because of that, and I think partly because Frank has figured out some things that they've gotten better, but it, it was pretty bad there for a while. Our thanks to Rich Samini, and that's going to do it for this episode of the podcast. If you haven't done so already, don't forget to subscribe. Comments and five-star ratings are helpful and appreciated. I'm Dan Horde. Happy Thanksgiving, and thanks for listening to the Bengals Booth Podcast.